2019, Chongqing was our first stop, spent a year there, and then uh, we've been here in Shanghai for about uh, two years. I'm really impressed with myself. I remember the numbers. That's a, that's a big one. Had a little had a little trouble finding a church in Chongqing, but uh, so that's why we came here. We found uh, RCBC, your uh, your baby church, and uh, we've been there for a little bit now. All right, I think those are the uh, the major details. All right, now we're not in Isaiah. Um, we, have a little, we have a little last minute shenanigans. So uh, we're going to be in Exodus. And we're not going to be at the beginning of Exodus. We're going to be uh, kind of in the middle. Um, Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going. Um, it's a good reminder to us that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for Reproof for correction and training in righteousness. And I pray that this morning, uh, Exodus will bless you. My title for this morning is We Doubt God Persists. We doubt, period. And you can even add in the word, but God persists. Let me walk you through a little scenario. So you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, oh no, I've got that thing that I don't want to do. So you're brushing your teeth and you think, you know what, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to get it over with. So you go and you, you do it. And you do your best. And quite frankly, it goes terribly. It goes even worse than you thought it could go. You knew that one person was probably going to be mad. It turns out there's a whole bunch of people who are mad. And uh, so you pray. You pray and you say, God, this is going very badly. I mean, they didn't listen to me. I was only trying to help, and now I'm in trouble, and I don't see how anything has improved. And so you wait for God to change your situation. Maybe you wait a minute, maybe you wait a day. But then you realize, whether quickly or slowly, that God still wants you to keep trying to accomplish the task. And it feels like you haven't accomplished anything. And so you ask yourself, what is God doing? And why is he letting me lose and make people angry? Well, this was the situation that the prophet Moses found himself in thousands of years ago. He went before Pharaoh trying to help the Israelites, and instead, Pharaoh made the Israelites' lives worse. And instead of getting credit for doing the right thing, Moses got in trouble with his people. 
That's the part I often struggle with. If I, if I feel like I've done the right thing, I'm still getting blamed. And to make matters worse, when he prayed to God, God didn't take Moses' job away. He told him to try again. So our main point for today is that God has planned for your life to go badly for a little while so that in the long run, and I, by long run, I may mean after you die. Sometimes it's before then, but in the long run, you'll see more of his glory and be happier. Let me say it quickly in a nice way you can put in your notes. When things go bad, God is doing something good. When things go bad, God is doing something good. And we're going to see this in two points. Point number one, we doubt. Number two, God persists. Point number one, we doubt. Point number two, God persists. As I said before, our text today is Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, 13. And if you know anything about Exodus, you know that it's a big book. And I'm starting in chapter 5. So let me, let me set up where we are in the story. In the previous chapter, Moses and Aaron met up and they began their journey to rescue the nation of Israel from slavery. They were enslaved in Egypt. And God told them what to do. He told Moses, I am who I am. He told Moses that Israel, that he would give Israel a new home in the land of Canaan. And he told Moses to ask Pharaoh for a three-day journey into the wilderness. And he explained, this is, this is key, he explained, I know Pharaoh's going to say no. And then I'm going to judge Egypt with spectacular plagues so that they will see my glory. And God promised the, the Egyptians would respond to the plagues by giving the Israelites silver and gold, jewelry and clothing. In other words, God said, ask for three days. Pharaoh's going to say no. I'll judge him. And then you get to leave Egypt forever with treasure. Now, it sounds like a good plan, right? I mean, there's some setbacks in there for sure, but I mean, it sounds like it's all going to work out, so all right. But then we hear Moses worrying about whether the Israelites are going to believe that God spoke to him. So God very reasonably gives Moses the miracle of turning a stick into a serpent and a hand into a diseased hand and then back into a healed hand and, and gave him the miracle of turning the water into the blood. So it should all be fine, right, Moses? Moses says, I can't speak well. So God promises to help him, tell him what to say, but Moses still won't go. So God angrily insists, Moses, you're going to Egypt, and he gives him Aaron to help him speak. So finally, after all this complaining and all this logistics, Moses is going to Egypt. And along the way, God meets his family and somehow, it's unclear whether it's Moses who's in danger or the son is in danger, but somehow a member of the family is in danger, and it's from God. And the only way to save the family is that Moses' wife, Zipporah, has to quickly circumcise their son. Let's just pause for a second. So far, what has Moses' experience with God been like? It's been pretty rough. Um, all he's really seen is that God is relentless. He didn't listen to Moses complaining about the Israelites doubting and ignoring him. 
He didn't compromise on his covenant of circumcision. Even if the person breaking the rule is in Moses, his prophet's own family, God just pushes forward. And if you were Moses in this situation, maybe you'd feel scared. Do you sometimes worry that God doesn't understand, that you're just a small person? I mean, sure, we all have days where we feel big and strong sometimes, but then we also have days where we feel small, don't we? Days when we don't understand our homework, amen, students? Days where we don't understand our children's homework, amen, parents? Days when our, our coworkers seem totally uninterested in us talking about God. Days when we get sick. Days when maybe a family member passes on. Days when the things that God has called us to do just seem beyond our power. Do we turn into Moses on those days? And do we start giving God excuses? Do we start saying, oh God, send someone else? Too often we do say, God, send someone else. But my friends, God already has sent someone else. He sent Jesus. Jesus lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I should have died for our sins against our holy God. And now he calls to us, like he called to Moses. He says, WSBC, trust me, and go do the work that I have for you. And for Moses, that was his mission to the Israelites. He's got to go get those people out of slavery. For you, WSBC, it is to make disciples of the people of Shanghai, this mighty city. For you individually, it is to love everyone you can by caring as best you can for their, all their needs, especially their spiritual needs. And we must go, and we must do this work, knowing that God has a plan for our lives. And sometimes, as, Mo as God described in Moses, that plan includes rejection. But like Moses, even though we're afraid, we have no choice. We must go. And so that's where you, and me, and Moses, that's where we all are at the beginning of Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Let's get started. Let's read. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and they said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover I will not let Israel go. And then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three-day journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall on us with pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses, Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. So that went just fantastic. That was just chef's kiss. Perfection. Uh, no. So um, Moses and Aaron tell Pharaoh that the God of Israel is speaking to him. And that's true. God is the God of Israel. 
He's there. God, Israel is his chosen people. And so that's an accurate title. But what Pharaoh doesn't realize is that this is his God too. This is, in another sense, also the God of the Egyptians, the God of Shanghai, the God of China, the God of America, the, whole, the God of the whole universe. Can you imagine that person speaking to you? But Pharaoh doesn't realize that this is the God of the Egyptians and the whole universe. He just hears the God of the Hebrews. And he probably hears, I mean, maybe there's some spiritual power behind this, but I'm certainly, I don't care. It's not my God. It's his God too. Have you ever met people like this? People who think that our God is just the God of the West. Oh, that's a Western religion. Or the God of the Americans. Or it's the Christian God. We need to explain to people when we go out to fulfill the WSBC mission of speaking to the people of Shanghai. When we go out, we have to tell them that this is their God too. This is the God about whom the scripture says, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, when people say to you, Jesus is your God, but he's not my God, explain to them that Jesus claimed to be the God of everyone. And if Jesus is wrong about that, then he isn't the God of anyone, because God is never wrong. But Jesus certainly wasn't just my God. He's everyone's God, including Pharaoh's. And so Moses and Aaron, like God told them, told them to, they asked Pharaoh, let us go into the wilderness. Let us give God the worship he deserves so that we can be safe from his wrath. But Pharaoh isn't afraid of God bringing sickness on the Israelites. And so he refuses to let Israel go. And Pharaoh's problem is that he doesn't take God seriously. He doesn't think the God of the Hebrews is going to do anything. But God already had done quite a bit by this point in human history. He judged the world when he destroyed the world with Noah's flood. He judged sin at the Tower of Babel. God would judge Pharaoh in just a little bit with ten plagues because he refused to listen to Moses. And how about you and I? Do we sometimes sin because we think that God isn't going to take our sins seriously? Do we sometimes forget that God takes sin so seriously that he sent his own son to a wooden cross? He poured out Jesus' blood. He took away Jesus' oxygen. He took away Jesus' life. My friends, when you are tempted to sin, remind yourself, remind yourself often. We cannot ignore the God of the Hebrews, like Pharaoh did, and expect no consequences. It's not how it works. But Pharaoh, he doesn't, he doesn't understand this. He doesn't respect God. And let's see how much he doesn't understand this and disrespects God, starting in verse 6. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the days past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall still impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it. For they are idle, therefore they cry. Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on them, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to my words. 
we have a saying back where I come from. You can't get blood out of a turnip. Those of you who are wondering what a turnip is, imagine a purple potato, and you're basically there. Point is, it doesn't have blood in it. You can't get blood out of it, no matter how hard you try. And similarly, you can't get more work out of people if you give them less help. Pharaoh's got this all backwards. He's convinced that his slaves have too much time on their hands. But that's not the issue. His response isn't to offer bonuses and rewards to encourage them to work harder. His response is to make their job harder. This is mean. This is cruel. This is wrong. As an English teacher, sometimes I'm an English teacher. As an English teacher, sometimes it can be easy to assume the worst of my students, my first, second, and fourth graders. Why aren't they learning? Well, it must be that they're stupid, or they're lazy, or they're mean. Certainly not my fault. There can be a temptation to blame my students. And this week, I uh, well, not this week, um, but uh, I had, sometimes I have classes go very poorly because my kids aren't listening. Sometimes they're talking while my voice is talking, and if you can believe this, my voice, my voice actually starts to disappear. I know. But sometimes I, I react badly to this, and sometimes I react well. Sometimes I start offering cool toys to the children who will sit most quietly and nicely, and I gotta tell you, it works. Pokemon, they love it. Suddenly my class is quiet and the kids are ready to learn. The point is this, being harsh with my students has, in all my experience, it, it produces change for a little while and then just go back to being themselves. It's not, it's not a sustainable teaching method. But rewarding them and helping them to think about success, that, that does work and is sustainable. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. As even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Oh, my friends, true greatness is serving others. It's not cruelly trying to get blood out of a turnip, or taking white people's straw and demanding the same number of bricks. Pharaoh doesn't get this. Verse 10. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out, and they said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves, wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. And so the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there was straw. And the foreman of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, they were beaten. Then they were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? And then the foreman of the people of Israel came and they cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, and yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. And he said, You are idle. You are idle, and that is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you. 
but he must still deliver the same number of bricks. Foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. And they met with Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge. Because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And you've put a sword in their hand to kill us. Do you remember what Moses was worried about? He was worried that people wouldn't believe him. And he was worried that he wasn't good at talking. Well, Pharaoh isn't believing him and the talking isn't working. It's at this point that I want to distract you. Be distracted right now if you are thinking about your own problems. If you're thinking about people who don't like you, if you're thinking about how your efforts at school or work or at home aren't going well, think instead about Moses. Put yourself in his shoes. A powerful being, God himself, has insisted that he go to Egypt and that he convince a hostile king to let his slaves Go take a break and worship in the desert. And as a result, Moses' people, the people that Moses cared about, they're being beaten. Can you imagine the shame that Moses had on his face as they stood there telling him, you're only making things worse. Just stop. How many times in your life have you hesitated because you were afraid of making things worse? But Moses, and you, and I, as we've seen from the beginning here, have no choice. We cannot ignore God. The God of the Hebrew is the God who judges sin. In the words of C.S. Lewis, we cannot dare not to dare. We cannot dare not to dare. Because as scary as obeying God is, disobeying God is infinitely more frightening. But God isn't like Pharaoh. Pharaoh is scary too. But Pharaoh's sternness has no point. It's illogical. It's trying to get blood out of a turnip. He deprives the Israelites of straw and makes it harder for them to do the work that he's given them. But God's sternness is totally different. It's totally different. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Listen to this. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastises every son he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? WSBC. We must remember that when God seems to be hard on us, he's, he's not being like Pharaoh. His discipline is coming from a place of love and intentionality. When God is making your life hard, he's always, always thought it through. He doesn't react angrily like you or I do. He doesn't fly off the handle. 
He's always thought it through, and he always intends it for your good. He knows you. We can't run away from God's discipline. And Moses, he's involved. He doesn't want to be, but he is. And so, like so many of us, he prays. Verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and he said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. My friends, Moses has a question. Why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? And you and I might ask with Moses, God, why did you send WSBC? Why did you send me? Why now? Why this? After all, we all fail. We all get embarrassed. We all let people we respect down sometimes. And this can be very tempting to blame God in, this, in these moments, especially if you have good theology, especially if you know God is in control of everything. Because if God is in control of everything, then that means he knew. He knew that I was going to fail, and he sent me anyway. But while we can't blame God, we do have to stick to our good theology. We have to remember that God is in control of everything. We have to remember WSBC. We have to remember Joseph. Joseph, you remember this story? He was sold into slavery by his brothers. But then Joseph miraculously became the ruler of Egypt. And with his power, he was able to save Israel from famine. And so Joseph's brothers, who threw him in that pit, they came to him and they asked him for mercy. And Joseph didn't punish them. He told them, I forgive you. Because what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Do you see that? The, the most despicable thing that we had reported to Joseph came, according to Joseph, directly from the hand of God. Also the hand of the brothers, but that hand of God. And God was intending good. And Joseph may not have known what that good would be as he was in the pit. We often don't know what the good God is doing is when we're in the pit. That's why it's hard. That's the place where you have to trust and have to have faith. So when you fail, and you will fail, you have to remember that God intends all things, even your failure, for good. And by the way, you know how we know about Joseph? It's because Moses wrote a book called Genesis. So Moses figures this out. Don't, don't you worry. That's part one. We doubt. We saw Pharaoh doubting. We saw Israel doubting. We saw Moses doubting. And now it's time for part two. God persists. God answers Moses. And while he doesn't explain why he allowed Moses to fail, 
because he already did that. Remember before, Exodus chapter 3, verse 19 says, this is God speaking, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand, and I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. So that has already happened. God already explained what's going on. So you may be wondering at Moses, Moses, why are you surprised that things aren't going well? God said things aren't going to go well. Well, how dare you? And how dare I? Judge Moses for doubting. After all, God has made you promises, hasn't he? Hasn't God promised never to leave us or forsake us? Don't we still sometimes worry? We do. Why is this the case? I think it's the, I think this is why. I think our often our memories are triggered by experiences. Certain smells remind you of your grandparents. Certain sights remind you of back home, and suddenly these memories wash over you. It's a visceral experience. And when we don't experience something regularly, it becomes much harder to remember. And this reinforces the truth that we've heard so often. We need to experience God as often as we possibly can. And therefore, wise people have encouraged you, and they've encouraged me, and they've told us, Adam, WSBC, read your Bibles every day. Pray every day. Seek out Christian brothers and sisters whenever possible. We're all like Moses. We all forget the truths of God's words very easily. I need my brothers and sisters at RCBC to remind me that we're Christians, to keep me believing. But God reiterates, that's the problem, that's the solution. God reiterates that he's going to set Israel free. And not only is he going to let, well, not only is Pharaoh going to let Israel go, Pharaoh's going to drive them out of the land. He's going to be so eager to get rid of Israel. And so even though Moses is panicking, God is confident. And when you're panicking, and we all panic from time to time, you need to remember the promises that God has given you. You might not have a face-to-face -face meeting with God. I know I've never had a face-to-face -face meeting with God where he reminds you of his promises. God's word is filled with his promises. And your brothers and sisters here at church, they also know God. And they can remind you of his love for you. Don't suffer in silence. Don't suffer in silence. Come to God in his word. Come to God in his people and be refreshed by his commitment to accomplish his purposes in you. Read those promises again. Listen as God reminds Moses who he is. Chapter 6, verse 4. God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. By my name, O Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. And moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. And so God's taking Moses back to school. He's telling him, 
I am. That's my name. God's character depends on nothing. He's never going to change. This is an important truth. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same God upon whom our confidence rests. When you're reading your Bible or you're listening to your Christian friends about God, remember they are describing the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, the I Am, the one who never changes. Secondly, God points out to Moses that he's got a better relationship with him than that he had with Abraham or Isaac or with Jacob. God told Moses his name. He never did that with Abraham. We haven't even, and we have, we have not only have that name as we sit here in this hotel on this morning, we have the entirety of the New Testament, which gives detailed accounts of the image of the Father, Jesus Christ himself. And so we have information that the Old Testament saints longed for. Number three, God points out that he understands Israel is in pain. He's heard their groaning, and he's going to keep his promises. God's not unaware. And so with these three pieces of information, God never changes, God truly loves Moses and us, and number three, he's promised to love Moses and us. God starts into a whole big section of application. What does he tell Moses to do? Look with me at verse 6. Verse 6, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from, slave, from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. And Moses is supposed to speak now. That was the application we just heard. He said, say therefore to the people of Israel. And we are also called to speak. We are called to speak as Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the good news, baptizing them, making disciples. So what specifically is Moses supposed to say? He's supposed to say, God is the Lord, which means that he should remind the Israelites, I am the unchanging one is speaking. So WSBC, go to the people of Shanghai and tell them that our unchanging God wants to communicate with them. Application number two. God says he will deliver Israel from slavery. WSBC, go to the people of Shanghai and tell them that they can be, as Paul says, free from sin. Shanghai can be free from the death that sin brings, the hell that sin brings, and they can find the freedom of God's love and approval and protection. Go and tell them. Application number three. God says he will redeem Israel with great acts of judgment. WSBC, go tell Shanghai that the greatest act of judgment, Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, has taken place and that Shanghai can experience the miracle, a 
resurrection from death. Number four, God says he will make Israel his people, and they will know that God was the one who saved them, and he will give them a new home. WSBC, don't tell Shanghai that Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so that's what we and Moses should go and do. So did Moses do it? This is a story after all. Let's read verse 9 to find out. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. And so we've seen Moses express sadness in prayer. We've seen God answer. We've seen Moses go and obey. And it, it, it doesn't work. People are too hurt by Pharaoh to listen to Moses. You ever felt like this? You got a problem. You go to a sermon. You hear God speak to you. And you leave the service on a spiritual high to go and obey. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go tell Shanghai about Jesus. All right, let's do it. And it doesn't work. You find yourself in the same spot as before. And you wonder, what's the point? Here I am, back in the church. Remember Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Now, things have been going wrong this entire sermon. Pharaoh isn't listening. Moses is feeling doubt. The Israelites have had their hope destroyed. God works all things, even the death of his own son, together for good. WSBC. On the days when it feels like it's all going wrong, remember, Moses, you are not the first member of God's family to feel like it's all going wrong. It's happened before. It will happen again if the Lord waits to return. But it worked out for Moses. And by the time Jesus comes back, I promise you, God promises you, it will work out. It will. If you stay faithful to the mission that God has called you to. How does God respond to the Israelite doubt? Verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? I am of uncircumcised lips. My friends, Moses is doubting again. He's questioning God again. You ever known somebody like this? They're sad and they're confused and you comfort them. The next day they're sad and they're confused again. This is normal. It's deeply, deeply normal. Sin is deeply rooted in all of us. It takes time. It doesn't get fixed all at once. You know, just hear a speech from God and suddenly, magically, everything's okay. It takes time. And so one application we have here is you need to be patient. 
You need to be patient with yourself, and you need to be patient with others who you're caring for. You're going to have to say this again and again. It's okay. God works everything out for good. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. You're going to have to look yourself in the mirror again and again and tell yourself, I know they didn't listen. I know that Pharaoh is trying to get forks. No straw. It's okay. God works everything from good. I don't know what he's doing, oh Adam in the mirror. I don't know, but I know he's doing something good. And you're going to have to do it again and again and again. This is the life. And so don't be frustrated with yourself. Don't be frustrated with yourself that you have to keep saying it to yourself. How does God respond to this latest episode of Moses' doubt? Verse 13. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people out of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. God just has to tell Moses, go try again. So WSBC, you wake up and you remember the failure from the morning before. You remember how you disappointed people that you love. You remember how you made things worse. Pray, read your Bible. Call Phil. God speaks clearly. He says, try again. James chapter 1, verse 4. And let steadfastness, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Keep going. Keep telling people the message that he has given you because your perseverance will heal your soul and it will make you more like Christ. Trust God that this is the case. As we have trusted Jesus to save us from our sin, so let's go on trusting him to save us day by day from our doubt. Our doubt that God doesn't know what he's doing. OWSBC, he knows what he's doing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as people who are sinners, people who are doubtful. And we know that you are changing us out of being doubtful people. You're making us more confident. You're making us more faithful. And you haven't finished yet. And so please forgive us for our impatience. We know that the trials you're bringing into our lives are working for good. We know it in this moment, even though we will probably forget moments from now. So hear us now. As we say, we trust you, praise you. We're willing to try again. We're willing to go to the people of Shanghai and tell them that you love them, that they're sinners, and they can have forgiveness through Jesus. We love them. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.